KGUM, AM in Agonia, Guam. You got it locked on to the Data Hub with Tyrone Titano of Guam's Hottest Talk, News Talk, K57. And this is the Data Hub with Tyron Tyson. Uh, nice to join you again for another Tuesday evening. Um, we're here from uh, 6.30 to 8 p.m. on News Talk K57 and Simulcast on Docomo Channel 2 and GTA Channel 3. Um, I'm here in, my, in the studio all by myself with a sock over my microphone. Uh, so it's, uh, for the uh, broadcast, you know, we're going to have in people call in as guests. So, but for the next hour half, will be me and my sock here in the studio. Uh, actually, I forgot my sock that over the uh, for last time I was here Tuesday, and the kind folks at K57 uh, kept it for me. So when I came back tonight, it was there waiting for me. So thank you to the diligent staff for safeguarding my sock for an entire week. You know, so it's now convenient here for me to use for this evening's uh, uh, show. Uh, tonight, um, after the top of the hour at seven o'clock, we're going to have uh, two planners from the Bureau of Statistics and Plans. Uh, Lolian Guerrero is the chief planner, and Sonia Siliong, who is a planner in the um, socioeconomic section of the Bureau. And we're going to go over an aspect of the Bureau's work, which a uh, few people are familiar with, and uh, that is the work in dealing with criminal justice grants uh, to aid uh, uh, local law enforcement agencies and, uh, and, and as part of those programs, the sort of mandates that are sort of required. And it ranges from things like uh, uh, automating um, criminal records to uh, uh, measures f- uh, to comply with the Prison Rape Elimination Act. And uh, as a consequence of, um, uh, of some work which the Bureau does in the criminal justice section, uh, we were, uh, the Bureau and actually this, the system of state agencies am- that administers uh, criminal justice grants like the uh, Burns Grant and the Coverdale Grants, well, that same system was used to uh, provide federal funding uh, under the CARES Act to support law enforcement agencies and in like the first or second CARES Act package passed by Congress, uh, there was a money um, uh, about you know, roughly about $850 billion, uh, across the country was distributed on a formula basis. And $2.9 million was available uh, for Guam, for which the um, Bureau applied for uh, uh, and, and secured approval of within a week and a half of the grant actually being formally announced. Uh, to prepare a grant to get it in and get it approved was uh, kind of at record time. And then we've now spent the uh, last few months um, utilizing this, that grant to support uh, uh, law enforcement agencies and responders. Um, most recently, a couple of weeks ago, the, uh, the uh, Bureau uh, distributed to the um, Department of Corrections and the Department of Youth Affairs uh, sanitation supplies needed to help deal with COVID-19. And also for the Department of Youth Affairs, uh, we've... Uh, we hired a nurse that was uh, it was used to um, help the Department of Youth Affairs with their intake. Uh, and a number of the things are still in process. There should be uh, some ambulances arriving this month uh, later this month. So in any event, we're going to go into that um, uh, with um, Chief Planner Lolian Guerrero and Planner Sonia Siliong and, uh, and deal with uh, and just explain sort of the base work first for which the Bureau does 
with regards to criminal justice grants and uh, how and what uh, new stuff was done with this recent uh, CARES package. Uh, and we may not be done yet. I mean, there's a talk in Congress of passing yet another uh, CARES package, and we'll see what form uh, that takes and, uh, and how, uh, how that actually uh, uh, materializes here. Um, we have um, uh, expected to call in any minute now uh, Dave Duenas, who is a, uh, uh, formerly the host of Manland and Sea, and uh, we want a chance to talk to him about old times as, uh, as we move ahead. Uh, in the meantime, um, there are a couple of things that are coming up on the Bureau's agenda. Uh, and I thought I'd mention here at this point because uh, of today's news of GVB taking the, uh, the lead and doing an island-wide cleanup in order to prepare the way for, uh, for visiting tourists and also just to, be, to beautify the island. Um, uh, there normally around this time of year a number of cleanup uh, operations that already are, are done. I mean, there was, um, uh, there was, for example, uh, the one uh, last year was a, clean, a, clean, a cleanup of Tumon associated with uh, World Oceans Day, and that one was organized by Underwater World at that time. Uh, because of the COVID-19 restrictions, it's been uh, uh, problematic to sort of organize uh, that sort of cleanup. And so that has been done. Um, there was, at this point, uh, last year were uh, at a time of year, there were like uh, three cleanups, including World Ocean Day. And, and then uh, there were a number of um, uh, cleanups planned. Like one of them was, um, uh, for example, um, uh, to clean up the bus shelters for the upcoming um, uh, school year. Um, but also, um, every September is uh, International Coastal Cleanup Day, which is done around the world with some uh, 20 some, um, over 20 some uh, countries participating. And this one is organized by the uh, Guam Coastal Manage Zone Management Program under the Bureau of Statistics and Plans and involves um, several thousand participants, uh, including many sponsors and uh, civic organizations who uh, pitch in not only to support the, uh, the, uh, the cleanup, but also uh, to help organize it. And I mean, uh, uh, in terms of um, organizing the, the sites, which happens like 25 sites around or, or more around the island. And uh, so we still plan to do that in September. And uh, given the, uh, the planned um, uh, cleanup by the Guam Visitors Bureau, we'll be monitor watching that very carefully because we'll be this cleanup will be done in a different environment. And uh, they probably are first off, the, uh, off, uh, off on the mark to how you conduct an um, a actual cleanup operation and still um, uh, maintain uh, COVID-19 restrictions. And Dave Duanis is on the line here. Dave, how are you doing? Hi, how you doing, Darrow? Okay, I was um, I was talking about I know one of your favorite subjects, which is uh, cleanups, and I, and starting from the news that was in the paper today about GVB embarking on a clean operation, I was going back to a, a favorite subject of of, um, of yours and mine since I got this job as director of Citizen Plans and the International Coastal Cleanup, and talk yeah. about it, talk about a trip down memory lane. And I was sort of mentioning here that we're, we'll be closely monitoring how GVB does this cleanup because they'll be the first one off the mark to do a, uh, a cleanup operation uh, under existing COVID-19 restrictions. And to see, uh, I mean, we, some of, we have an idea of how that will be done, but uh, it, it, as an operational matter, they'll be kind of the, I think they'll be the kind of the guinea pig in order to prepare for the International Coastal Cleanup, which the Bureau still plans to do in September. Yeah. I'd just uh, be on the show, Dave, because um, you, you've, um, You've departed the the hallowed halls of the Manland and Sea program, which you've uh, hosted on man, uh, on uh, Thursdays nights, uh, yes, to go sir. for a, a greater call of public service. And I, uh, you know, to whoever um, 
regardless what party or their inclination is, I always uh, compliment people who throw their hat in the ring, which is, you know, as opposed to um, uh, just offering critique of their own, but to actually set themselves up to actually go in and, and compete and, and, and to try to get them in position to make a difference. And so congratulations, Dave, for throwing your hat into the ring. And, uh, yeah, thank yeah. you. Thank you, Tyrone. Uh, but anyway, uh, what I really want you to call is is um, is kind of um, uh, go over, uh, give you a chance to um, talk about your memories on Manland and see and what are the more significant uh, or the th- striking your minds and your experience in dealing with um, uh, with issues of, of concern to you, such as the environment. And and by the way, the the uh, bureau has uh, it was privileged last year to do in, to in some small part help sponsor. Um, yeah, land yeah, and sea, and so you. this is um, this is uh, uh, this, I'm an active, yes. So we we have an active we've had an active interest in, in the fine work you were doing as a host of that show uh, uh, last year. So I, I'm going to kind of give the mic to you. Uh, wh- what is, stands out to you based on your experience in hosting Man Land and Sea and, and and the issues you encounter and the people you've talked to? Okay. Well, um, first of all, Man Land and Sea uh, last month May was our one year anniversary, so I'm very proud of that. And uh, during the course of the year, uh, we've uh, had, uh, we tackled a lot of different issues, everything from the water lens to coral reefs to uh, island sustainability, uh, circular economies, all the way up to stray dogs and uh, feral pigs. Uh, we, we covered a whole bunch, and uh, uh, luckily we were able to uh, resolve some of the issues uh, that were brought up uh, by callers, and that was great. You know, I, I was able to put... Uh, agencies and individuals together um, and uh, to take care of the problem. Uh, specifically, I was talking about this feral pig problem a gentleman called up and I was able to get uh, the feral pig cages to his property to uh, address the uh, multiple pigs that were in his area destroying his crop. But uh, again, uh, just in, in, in a nutshell, the, the show itself has um, uh, been very well received by the public and and at the same time, it um, brought the environmental awareness out there to the forefront uh, to the point where even um, SMG, Swarms and Media Group, uh, if you if you listen, they have a multiple uh, environmental uh, PSAs on radio, and that was a direct result of uh, Man, Land, and Sea being, being there at the station as well. And again, it, it just brought the, the issue of how fragile our environment is and everybody including the residents and the callers, uh, all saw the, uh, the issues. And, uh, again, they brought up certain issues, and I was able to uh, assist them in some of them. So very proud of that. You've been connecting the, the listener audience to actual people who can actually uh, address these issues, you know. Yeah, I, I was correct. I was struck by, uh, by as you recite, the issues involved, and one of them was, um, and just to show how the breadth of public concerns that, that um I, it's, they're not also always as highfalutin like grand you know, con- concepts like climate change and uh, and circular economy, but some basic stuff that really matters a lot to the quality of life of the community, like stray dogs. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. The Department of Agriculture has actually uh, just submitted a, um, a grant application on the um, uh-huh. for the technical assistance program of the Department of Interior for their stray dog program. I or they uh, yeah I believe when I saw the list that they had made the application, and we should find out by August as to whether there's, there's grant was actually approved, uh, but we have high hopes that it will be. So that will, um, that will um, be something to, uh, to look forward to um, uh, in, the, in the coming months here. What, what are the more interesting guests that stand out to you from, from the people you've interviewed 
and the Broadway well, one, one of the more interesting ones was a group, uh, and they're about a thousand strong of volunteers, and they go by the name of uh, Paul's, as in, uh, you know, uh, dog Paul's, Paul's for Pets. And they they're, they're uh, what for pets? Animals. I'm sorry. They're what they for pets? Paul's for pets. Paul's. As in. Paws, P-A-W-S. Oh, paws. Okay, got it. Okay, got it. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> and it's they stand out big time. Uh, as They were in-studio guests. It was uh, three or four young ladies. Uh, their group, again, is uh, a thousand strong, and they rescue dogs all over the island. And as they were coming in to uh, be on the show, they actually came in, and they said, Dave, we have a dog outside. I said, can we bring it in? I said, I don't think so. I said, where did you get the dog? They actually rescued a dog as they were on the way to the studio. Mm. And uh, they adopt. They also um, assist in getting the uh, pets, uh, the dogs that they rescue, or animals that they rescue, dogs and cats, and they get them adopted. And one of the awesome one was they actually found a um, a person adopted one of their um, dogs that they rescued and mm-hmm. they flew the dog out to the uh, person that adopted in the mainland I said you actually flew the dog yeah we bought got him a cage and put him on the plane and sent him out to uh, view if it's new owner in the mainland I said wow you wow. guys really that's hardcore really that's hardcore uh, no, it is, and they're still very, very active. Oh, uh, really? Okay. And uh, they're hoping uh, uh, the environmental senator, which is currently Senator Sabina Perez, uh, they're still awaiting uh, a bill that she still has not uh, gotten passed mm-hmm. by uh, by the legislature. I don't even know if it reached the floor of the legislature yet. What, what does the bill do? Uh, it's uh, for the protection of animals. Uh, you know, you know, we've had a string of people uh, mm-hmm. abusing and killing. Uh, we've had the uh, two dogs that were beheaded in, down in the south, and they had dogs up in Geo that were shot. So they're very, very adamant about getting this bill passed and, and putting stiffer penalties in regards to uh, cruelty to animals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and and well, it shows how relevant your your show is, which is in part why the bureau uh, did a uh, small sponsorship of it in order to keep that yeah. timer going. And I I understand your um, your successor is Moneca de Oro. Uh, there, I actually uh, touched base with her today, and uh, the latest update I, I kind of spoke to soon. Oh. She, she'll be meeting with the management there at K fifty seven to address. So everybody out there, forget, the, I, forget I said anything. Okay. <laughs> Uh, you know, you mentioned um, uh, you, uh, among the issues you you, t- you talked about. Um, uh, maybe we'll let's let's touch on one that, um, that people may not necessarily recognize, which uh, which is the whole issue of the circular economy, which is yeah. of particular relevance considering to our situation, uh, uh-huh. particularly since we're an island uh, that's geographically isolated and we import like ninety percent of everything on expensive yeah. Jones Act fi- uh, uh, shipping here. And uh, for the listener audience, the, the basic concept of a circular economy is, is, that, is that you, you keep uh, products or things that are produced um, on island and recycle them into the economy. Uh, for ex- and it's a matter of like taking things that are normally classified as waste and turning right. into resources to full, fuel a green economy and green economy jobs. Um, that's um, uh, one of the, this is in some of the projects the uh, Bureau's involved in, uh, uh, particularly uh, with respect to the Zero Waste Group, uh, chaired by First Gentleman Jeffrey Cook. And there is right now, for example, a demonstration project at the Port Authority of Guam 
uh, of a compost uh, uh, process here. And the idea is to take some of the uh, biosolids, or this is sort of the waste cake produced by the sewage treatment plants, and, yes, and instead of sending it to, um, uh, sending it to the, uh, uh, the landfill, for which I believe uh, Guam Waterworks pays them like a million and a half uh, a year, uh, instead sending it down to a, a compost operation, uh, which is done all across the country, and convert this into um, what's sort of like potting soil that can be used for landscaping or uh, reforestation out there, or even perhaps even par- uh, private gardening, and uh, and therefore you would create um, uh, more private. You would create you'd be able to done a privatized operation. You create more private sector jobs. You would help decrease uh, the uh, pressure on uh, water rate, uh, waterworks uh, water rates because it's a cheaper process. Uh, and you would ex- uh, save money for the taxpayers because you ex- you would be diverting it away from the uh, from the, uh, the landfill and therefore extending the life of the landfill. And uh, like, yes. yeah, and but and particularly uh, circular economy is particularly relevant nowadays is because given the uh, uh, the the near collapse of the tourism economy, although Governor Gutierrez is doing uh, uh, some great things to uh, recharge it, but given that we uh, we need to uh, focus and that's the governor's focus. On diversifying the economy and boosting other sectors, including uh, agriculture and aquaculture, uh, and also developing uh, an IT component in our our economy, but also uh, dealing, uh, producing more green economy jobs based on recycling, and uh, which yeah, which actually has an edge here because you know when we deal with these wastes here, one great uh, economic advantage is we don't have to pay expensive Jones Act shipping to bring it here; it's already here. so that's kind of an edge. And so um, uh, g- g- I just mentioned this because given your discussion, the program uh, there, I mean, so much of this stuff, I mean, particularly when you talk about the environment, too, um, too often people tend to sidetrack it as too, a little too theoretical. Uh, but in fact, it's a, lot, a lot of it, particularly nowadays, is very real. Yes. yes. Um, matter of fact, um, in regards to uh, specifically circular economy, uh, the young lady that... Uh, is tasked to hopefully take over the show, Manland and see uh, uh, Monica Bioro. Mm-hmm. I had her on the, on the, in the studio with a, another young lady, uh, Michelle Piloco, and they have initiated and perfect timing because, as you know, the Guam Solid Waste Authority reinstituted their recycling, picking up recyclables uh, curbside at, at, at the residence. When do they start? However, when do they start? Yeah, they started about two weeks ago. Oh, wow. Maybe, maybe See, it's, it's news to me they're, because they're, I've, they're I've stopped putting out my recycling bin. Unfortunately, so. the plastics, uh, the countries that used to buy them off of uh, the Guam Solid Waste Authority mm-hmm. are now no longer accepting them. Yeah. Well, the, so the plastic bottles, which, as you know, there's millions of them, actually, and, and every other plastic, namely uh, number two and number five plastics, uh, these two young ladies have as of uh, a few weeks ago, it already started a, a program where they uh, recycle uh, plastics, number two and number fives. They shred them down, mm-hmm. they melt them down, and they turn them into, I believe, keychains and oh. other items. And they have a, one machine now on island. Uh, the machines are, you can either purchase them or they actually got the blueprints that we can build them on island. They currently have one machine right now, operational. And the goal, and I'm going to do everything I can to assist them, is get one in every village. And I, uh, like I told uh, Momeka, I said, you're sitting on a gold mine because we got all the plastics you need. They're not being uh, shipped out anymore because nobody's buying them. 
So, mm-hmm. again, it's going to create uh, revenue for the island. It's going to start up a new business. and Create more private imagine, sector jobs. Yeah, can you imagine, Tyrone, having one of these machines, shredder and uh, the, the machine that uh, melts them down, mm-hmm. and uh, the, mold, <clears throat> the molds, you can develop multiple uh, kinds of molds, everything. You can you name it. You know, you can make plates or bumpers. Pretty much anything you can think of, they can make molds for. And they, again, they're operational right now, mm-hmm. as we speak. And uh, uh, matter of fact, when they were on the show, some lady was listening. I call her, a listener, and said, "I got a whole bunch of plastic bottles. Can you guys willing to pick them up?" And sure enough, they said, "We'll come down and pick it up." And again, it, it's going to create. Um, you you uh, jobs for people. It's going to uh, address the, uh, the the plastic problems that we have because if, if we don't recycle them, they're going to wind up in the landfill. Mm, absolutely, and therefore cost the taxpayers money because exactly you know they exactly. use the landfill quicker. Fill up the, uh, the the landfill cells quicker if we don't. But again, uh, you know, uh, my goal and their goal as well, and I'm going to help them. Is uh, like I said, you can either buy the machines, the shredders, and the incinerator that burns that melts them down. But they actually got a website that they you can download uh, the blueprints to build these machines. And mm-hmm. uh, to build them, it's pretty much parts you can find at any uh, scrapyard, for example. Mm, well, this is folks. This is one reason why, uh, although Dave is going on to greater things here, it's it's, it's some a bit of a loss that Dave's not on the. Uh, on the air going forward here because it um, he goes into e- issues in depth and and you learn something by listening to him. I myself have learned something new just by listening to him and it, it to, and it's actually very salient to um, what I'm working on. The, one of the focuses of the Zero Waste Working Group, uh, particularly first gentleman Jeff Cook, is on the whole idea of recycling plastics. And uh, there, yeah. as you know, Dave, there's many conversations over this over the years. Peggy Denny has also pu- pushed the idea. Of, of bringing machines that would milk plastics and and returning to new products, uh, we have some preliminary discussions with Jacobson Engineering, which is a leading engineering firm in the world, about doing a, a study that would assess the processes to do it. Because you can't take every plastic and melt into every product; it's only certain types, and come up with a plausible, not a plausible, but um, uh, a uh, a substantive approach to actually realizing it. Because you're right, of focus on the Dave. I mean, I mean the pl- plastics in particular. Even uh, yeah. more than biosolids is, is is a major problem because they last forever. You know. Yes, they do. They definitely take decades, if not a hundred plus years, before they uh, biodegrade. And again, the beauty, uh, Tyrone. I, I just got to reiterate how how awesome it is that these two young ladies got this program started and it's actually functioning. So the goal, as I mentioned, now is just to get more of these shredders and the incinerators to melt the plastics down. Uh, and they are only accepting right now uh, number two and number five plastic. And it's right in line with the uh, first gentleman. Maybe mm-hmm. he can assist him in some fashion or form. And that would be great. Well, which is why it came to my earlier point about how listening to you, I learned something. And I'm, I'm, I'm serious about this, Dave. I want you to call me at the office tomorrow. And because uh, this is the first I've heard about it. And we would, really would want to contact uh, uh, Michelle and Maneka about this. And yeah, to see yeah. what can be done and support Definitely. it, like, and I never, I, I, I probably would find it at some point, but I just found out now, and it's it's something that. Um uh, that we certainly uh, are definitely interested in uh, in examining here. And so, when we're off, call me in the office tomorrow, and, or, or message me the uh, phone numbers about how I can contact uh, this Not group. And we'll, um, can do, um, can yeah, do. yeah, because you know the, the you know one thing about um, 
issues uh, uh, like dealing with the environment or climate change or coral reefs or, or even something like a circular economy. It's, it's a sort of thing that uh, certainly should, um, has to involve a government involvement in order to pursue, but it's one of those issues that really are larger than that and we require a community. And so, um, you know, uh, the, the, the fact that uh, you, you and, uh, and certain Manuka and Michelle and, and, they're, and they're in are, are committed to spending time to these issues, that's, that's really important to actually get these ideas and make them a reality. Um, yeah, and, uh, you know, again, you know, I purposely brought them on the show when I got wind, uh, got uh, informed that they uh, started this uh, plastic recycling and they're actively doing it right now. And, uh, you know, it can only, it's only going to grow. And I'm very, very, very thrilled. Matter of fact, that's the word I use when they're on. I'm mm-hmm. just so thrilled about this that's happening. And again, 19 villages have one machine in every village. And we're going to have a whole bunch of different products that can be made out of these plastics. Yeah. And, and, and which is the problem of not only helping to uh, care for the economy, but save taxpayers' money by reducing the input into the landfill and creating more private sector jobs. Uh, Correct. Yeah. Yes. And so, yeah. Uh, uh, I, I th- well, you know, this is a that was a great idea to have for guests here, and I may, and I may steal that idea moving forward <laughs> and invite them on my show to to examine uh, uh, to edu- and ask to pass information to people forward here. I mean, one of the main reasons why I'm doing the show is is to allow uh, give the opportunity uh, to go into some of these issues in depth. You know, more than yeah. just a thirty-second soundbite or a few column inches in the PD, in the uh, newspapers, and uh, and give people access to information. Um, uh, and people calling for all amazing stuff here. I have I've had Austin Shelton here like a couple weeks ago, and yeah, for like for a full yeah. hour. And I don't know if you heard you saw heard that show. And poor Austin, the calls were just like. <laughs> <laughs> it took up most of the hour. Yeah, yeah well, so. yeah, Austin's been a frequent guest on Manland and Sea as well. I, I assist in uh, getting the word out for his, uh, what is his, uh, series of uh, webinars, or what do you call it, Zoom uh, conferences? Zoom uh, conferences for a sustainability conference. And actually, he should be, a- after the top of the hour, he should be, um, I expect him to be calling in just to... Uh, to, see, to, 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 to give us an update, because we're heading towards the final week of a sustainability conference. And yes, uh, this, it's the sort of thing that, um, uh, that yeah. you know, it's captured a lot of attention. And, yes, uh, I, and I definitely participated as well. It was oh. great stuff, really, really good stuff. I yeah. mean, anyway, I know you're uh, up against the top of the hour. Well, we, we, and, have, uh, we have one more, we have one more minute. So, so, Dave, this is going to turn this over to you. you know, your final parting wor- words as the uh, departing uh, host of, um, of Man, Land, and Sea. Oh, and thank then, you. Yeah, thank and you. just I'll leave it to the mic to you for the next, like, 30 or 40 seconds. Okay, well, uh, I'm not going anywhere. Uh, I am uh, stepping down from Manland and Sea. As you know, uh, I'll be uh, seeking uh, higher endeavors, but uh, I'm not going to be far away from the, the issues of the environment. It's always going to be there, and I'm always going to be there in one way or somehow assisting where I can. And uh, again, to, to all the listeners that were listening and a part of Manland and Sea, thank you, and all the guests, you know who you are, thank you as well, and thank you, Tyrone, for the GCMP, Guam Coastal Management Program, being a sponsor. Well, it was it was our privilege, and uh, and take care, my friend, and miss you the best of luck in your future endeavors. That's Dave Duenas, and I'm Tyrone Titano, here with the Data Hub with Tyrone Titano, and we're heading up towards the news at the top of the hour. See you on the other side. KGUM, Amen Agatni, Guam. You get it locked on to the Data Hub with Tyrone Titan, only on Guam's hottest talk, News Talk, K57.
And we're back. Uh, this is Data Hub with Tyrone Titano. I'm Tyrone Titano, and uh, we're going to spend the next uh, hour or so discussing the criminal justice work of the Bureau of Statistics and Plans. And joining me to help out is the Chief Planner of the Bureau of Statistics and Plans, Chief Planner Lola Negro. Hello, Lola. Hi, Tyrone. Uh, thanks for joining me here. And uh, to help me go through um, the descriptions of an aspect of the Bureau's works, which are few people are familiar with and might be a little surprised that we get involved in, which is uh, criminal justice work. And in part has to do with our work with a number of grants, which the uh, Bureau administers. And uh, because of that work, we were also um, the lead agency in, in securing uh, $2.9 million in CARES Act funding, uh, for a law enforcement agency because they use the same system uh, in order to distribute uh, that funding support. Uh, but it all traces back to what's known as the Burns Grant. Isn't that lo- true, Lola? Correct, yes, that's true. So perhaps for our listeners, you could explain what the Burns Grant is, and from that we can get to the covered grants and the other uh, grant programs that are uh, stem from it, so to speak, here. Okay, well, uh, I actually started at the Bureau in the early 90s, and the Burn Jack actually was called the Edward Burns Memorial State and Local Law Enforcement Formula Grant Program, which, uh, for short, Burns Formula Grant Program, was actually created by the Anti-Drug Abuse Act of 1988. So since 1988, the Bureau of Planning at the time was administering the uh, Burns Formula Grant Program. Yeah. Then in, um, the name changed back in 2005 to uh, the Edward Byrne Memorial Justice Assistance Grant Program. So Bureau Planning, DST, has been administering this program since 1988. Yeah, and this is the Edward Burns Memorial Grant, no connection to the current director of administration, Ed Burns. So... uh, just to clarify, so so we, this grant has been in effect since the '90s, and what is it? What does the Burns uh, Memorial Grant do? Okay, so the Burns Memorial Grant Program basically supports all components of the criminal justice system. Uh, we basically uh, the the conduit to to get the funding and to implement the program is to develop a multi-year strategy for drug control, violent crime, and criminal justice systems improvement. Um, and basically, this state strategy will describe problems and solutions and provide a framework for implementation and evaluation of the projects funded under the uh, Burn Jack program. So we do have an existing approved plan, uh, which is the um, FY 2019-2022 multi-year strategy for drug control, violent crime, and criminal justice systems improvement. Um, Anyone who's interested, they can access the plan on our website at bsc.guam.gov. Um, and by the way, just listeners, when Lolo refers to the Burns JAG grant, JAG stands for Justice Assistance Grant. Uh, go ahead and continue, Lolo. Yes. And uh, so our priority issues, so the, I guess everyone is wondering just how uh, we identified the proposed uh, priorities for funding the program. So back in, um, I believe it was 2018, uh, we actually held a multi-year meeting, stakeholders meeting. Actually, originally started in October 2016, uh, and the intent was to identify the priorities to address in the multi-year strategy. 
we we basically did a um, uh, a ranking process, uh, and I guess we used a cumulative voting called dot voting, where we had stakeholders from the Office of the Attorney General, Guam Police Department, Department of Corrections, Judiciary Guam, DYA, Customs, Mental Health and Substance Abuse, Department of Public Health and Social Services, uh, the Guam Homeland Security, everyone in it from the Guam Airport to uh, the 33rd Guam Legislature. So we held a stakeholders meeting. We um, got listing of priorities that were put on, on, on sheets of paper, and then everyone in the room had the opportunity to basically place a dot that they found, you know, to prioritize which areas they felt was very vital to address in the in the new plan. So everybody so could see what how what the accumulated priorities were, and then uh, I said like great visual aid. I see, yeah. Yes, and so as a result of that meeting, uh, uh, the priorities that were identified are prevention and education corrections and community corrections, planning, evaluation, and technology improvement, drug treatment and rehabilitation, and law enforcement. Uh, what, what is community corrections? Uh, I thought I heard so, that phrase. Okay, so community corrections, uh, so, so the next step after we identified the priority areas, uh, we reached out to, to all of our resource agencies, which is our law enforcement entities, as well as networking partners to request for for statistics and data to basically define the problem in order to develop the proposed program. Mm-hmm. So in regards to the corrections, um, hold on one sec, I'm just... Yeah, by the way, way, if anyone wants to join the conversation, the phone lines are open at 477-5757. That's 477-5757. Uh, this is the Data Hub with Tyrone Titano that is um, being broadcast here on News Talk Fifty Seven, and simulcast on Docomo Channel Two, and GTA Channel Three. Are you still with us, Lola? Yes. Okay. I am. Go ahead. Um, so I'm still looking for the information. Oh. Hold on one sec. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, just just to mention that the um, uh, in addition to the and we'll get into the later in a, uh, later in our discussion here. In addition to the uh, Edward Burns Memorial Grants, we also have the Paul Coverdell Grants, uh, which do an, uh, a number of projects, particularly dealing with um, with crime lab work, and also um, um, uh, uh, grants dealing with residential treatment. Uh, because of uh, uh, the, the 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 system set up by the federal government, where these grants are funneled to. Uh, uh, state designated state agencies. Um, this is the basis upon which um, uh, the bureau uh, was eventually able to secure 2.9 million in uh, CARES Act funding to help law enforcement officials. And we're going to uh, get to that later in the discussion and be joined by uh, Sonia Selyang, who was, uh, in addition to uh, working on on the grant, was also did um, a lot of the heavy lifting. Uh, to work with our colleagues in, in, at uh, civil defense and emergency procurement to actually get those needed supplies and equipment um, to the um, uh, to the uh, uh, law enforcement officials, and we're in the process of actually doing that right now. Someone's already gone gone out there and received some degree of uh, attention in, in the news media. Uh, Lola, are you ready to uh, yes, continue on our yes. merry path of of discussing criminal justice grants to, uh, through the Bureau of Statistics and Plans? Yes. So under that particular area, the focus 
uh, was to provide uh, intensive treatment and rehabilitation service to the inmates within the Department of Corrections. Um, so a, a program was developed as a result of the information provided by our resource entities, and um, we developed a, I guess in this area, it's called uh, Correctional Treatment and Rehabilitation. So we developed a proposed program, and then from there, we actually, uh, if it's in the plan, this is where uh, agencies, uh, which would be criminal justice agencies, can submit a proposed program for funding consideration. So we can only fund a project if uh, we have a direct, uh, if it's tied to the priority area. As identified in the strategic plan, yeah. Okay. And it's tied to the program area within that priority. So in recent years, what are, what are the sort of things that have been funded uh, that fall within those uh, uh, priorities as a base in the strategic plan? So, so I do know, um, like, for example, our multi-jurisdiction law enforcement priority, we find multi-jurisdictional task forces. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with that, we have funded the uh, Guam Police Department Street Violent Crime Task Force, mm. uh, the Drug Detector Dog Unit with Guam Customs and Quarantine, and uh, the Narcotics Interdiction and Asset Seizing Program, and this is also with Guam Customs and Quarantine. Uh, so, these these so are with, so these are task forces that involve multiple agencies. Yes. Yeah, so with so in order to find a to be considered a task force, we need to have. Uh, the agency needs to have a federal counterpart mm-hmm. and there needs to be uh, an MOU between like for example GPD and ATF mm-hmm. or, or between uh, customs and the post office I think is, is one yes. of them yes, yes. because yes. The, the dogs are used also at the post office to detect uh, contraband in, in the incoming mail right. is, 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 do I have that right? Correct Yeah. Yes. Okay. and uh, as well as all parts of entry as well as all points of entry, certainly. And when I know there's a, that is particularly of a, a concern because there's, there's a lot of widespread interest of expanding uh, the canine units of customs, particularly to uh, interdict incoming drugs uh, as well. Um, what else does the um, does the Burns Grant actually um, uh, get involved in either mandating or funding? Okay, so uh, when you say mandate, are you referencing to, to the requirement that we need to address? Well, I was thinking of, of course, of the Prison Rape Elimination Act uh, okay. mandates, for so, example. Okay, so so one of the um, well, when we do have this particular grant, uh, actually, back in the early '90s, there were several federal mandates that were imposed on the federal grant. We had the Criminal Justice Records Improvement Requirement, which we had to set aside five percent of our annual funding to implement the assist records improvement plan, uh, as well as the, there's also a 10% requirement for the Sex Offender Registry and Notification Act. Lola, let's take let's take this one at a time. The records improvement uh, mandate, for example, uh, that that refers to automation of uh, criminal records into a, yes. a into a common database in which um, judicial branch and criminal justice agencies can can access. 
they're not necessarily evidentiary files, but they're they're meant about criminal records and to kind of deal with the technical barriers between different systems and provide a common one in which all can uh, rely upon is it's uh, it's that work and what is what is the uh, what is the commission that's set up to actually coordinate this among multiple agencies the, okay so the criminal justice automation commission was set up to coordinate this effort uh, and this was actually created in 1993 this effort was done in 1993 and who's on the on the, um, uh, the Criminal Justice Automation Commission, otherwise known as CJAC? I know the Bureau has a seat on it, and they're represented by Deputy Director Matt Santos. Uh, what other agencies are on CJAC? So we actually have all of the law enforcement entities that are, are represented. Um, we do also have Homeland Security that's represented at this, this group. Uh, we have the Public Defender Services Corporation. Um, we have also the current criminal justice legislature that's also part of this group. So really the, the composition of the criminal justice automation commission is comprised of all of Guam's law enforcement entities, uh, as well as uh, Homeland Security, Public Health, um, Department of Revenue and Tax, as well as the legislature. Okay. And and so that that deals with the um, with the records improvement, and you were getting on to the uh, sex offender registry mandates. Yes. Uh, so so just to just to kind of touch, which I wanted to emphasize with regards to the criminal justice records improvement, the whole idea behind this was to improve the quality, completeness, and accessibility of criminal justice records to ensure that judges have access to this information as well as over at the uh, Guam Police Department, the records section. So when you're going to apply for a uh, police clearance, the information is readily available where they can just, because I think at one point in time, uh, that information was not ready, readily available when you were going to access or request for a police clearance, as well as a court clearance. Mm. And particularly in dealing so, with different agencies, sometimes systems don't talk to each other, which correct, is a challenge yeah. to be resolved. Yeah. Yes. So the, the other mandate that was imposed, which we are in compliance, is the Sex, sex Offender Registry Notification Act. Uh, we have a sex offender registry that um, the Judiciary of Guam Probation Division is actually uh, maintaining. And they have been maintaining this since, I believe, it was the mid-2000s mm. that, you know, we've, we've actually come into compliance with the creation of a sex offender registry system. Okay, that's good. Well, that's one thing we're in compliance with. Okay. What, what other things does the Burns Grant get involved in? Yeah, so the other one is we do have another uh, mandate, which is the Prison Rape Elim Elimination Act. So basically what this stipulates, um, it requires that, um, well, the purpose of the act was to provide for the analysis of incidents and effects of prison rapes in federal, states, and local institutions. So 5% of the Burn Jack grant uh, that the Bureau uh, receives, part of that fund is actually set aside um, to address the, the PREA requirements. Mm -hmm. so the it stands for Prison Rape Elimination Act, PREA. Yes, yes. And 
Uh, so what we're doing basically is uh, it's really to support uh, zero tolerance of uh, sexual abuse and sexual har- harassment in confinement facilities. So the funding off the 5% that is set aside for the Prison Rape Elimination Act is basically to conduct an audit of the uh, Guam Department of Corrections and the Department of Youth Affairs. So the plan actually... That's the end result, That's the end result. but a lot of the stuff that goes into the grant are, are things to enhance uh, training for the, these issues, is it, is it not? Things like um, access to computer trainings, I believe, or... Uh, well, 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 what it is, is it will provide funding to allow the agencies to purchase workstations to uh, access the online uh, system because uh, there, there's there's components or requirements with the PREA Act where all, all of the employees, even contracted employees, actually have to have so many hours of training on um, on PREA. And so there is a, you know, a website where these agencies can access. It's called the PREA Resource Center mm-hmm. that um, the agency's staff can access to to have this training conducted. So basically, uh, the, what the funding is used at this point here is to invest in, uh, and not only workstations, but also uh, training materials and online training resources so that the uh, agency's concerned, which in this case is the Department of Youth Affairs, which runs the juvenile justice facility and the Department of Corrections, uh, can enhance their um, education and awareness uh, uh, capacity here. So when the audit does come, they are prepared to uh, meet the requirements uh, that the uh, uh, that the audit checks on is is that not the pathway this is this is going? Yes, that that is. The so pathway. aside from an audit, it's also meant to invest in helping DOC and DOIA prepare to pass the audit uh, by creating more uh, awareness and training and education uh, on this um, on this national uh, concern, uh, as evidenced by the. The, the very uh, charged title of Prison Rape Elimination Act, you know. Um, is there anything else that the Burns Act actually uh, that you, comes to mind you want to mention before we move on to the Coverdale grants? Yes, yeah, so, so we do also just, uh, we also provide funding to the Guam Behavioral Health and Wellness Center where we fund the only uh, rape crisis center here in Guam. And so we've actually been very committed to this program. Um, so the, the focus of the funding is um, is actually where they would basically have um, medical examiners to conduct exams on you know the on children as well as adults and based on the data that you know we've seen on progress reports, uh, it appears that there's uh, more children that are being that are victims of sexual assault, and the idea there is to collect the forensic evidence in order to have sufficient evidence to, you know, to prosecute the perpetrator. Yeah, this has been again, a, a growing problem here. We had the um, um, the head of the Guam Behavioral Wellness Center, Teresa Areola, um, a couple weeks ago to talk about uh, the worker agency because, well, we had it on like last month because May was Mental Health Awareness Month. And um, she did talk about the number of th- uh, th- things involved, including uh, include suicide prevention. And we didn't quite get to this one aspect, so I... I, I think we'll probably have her back on the show soon to talk about this and, and this um, important issue here and and the dimensions of it. So many stuff is happening in the community from COVID-19 to other things that uh, sometimes um, 
these issues like this that deserve ongoing concern don't give the attention uh, they, uh, they deserve. Um, so moving on from the Burns Grant, perhaps you could describe what the Coverdale Grants are. Okay, so um, because we are the state administrative agency of the Burns Jack, uh, by the way, by the way, folks, Burns JAG in this context again again stands for Justice Assistance Grant. So go ahead. Yes. Yes. Uh, so in reference to that, we are also we also administer the Paul Coverdale Forensic Science Improvement Grant, along and along with the Residential Substance Abuse Treatment Program. So with the Coverdale funds, it actually allows uh, the purpose of the funding is to improve the quality and timeliness of forensic science and medical examiners services to include services provided by laboratories operated by states and our units of local government. So um, since we only have one forensic lab here in Guam, uh, and we do have a medical examiner and coroner's office services, but... You were talking uh, about a forensic lab run by GPD? Yes. Yes. yes okay. It was otherwise known as the crime lab. Yeah. Yes, the crime lab. So basically the funding has been over time has actually been provided to the Guam Police Department Crime Laboratory. And, and how, much, how much is the Coverdale Grant each year, roughly? Yes, and the, excuse me? How much is the Coverdale Grant each year, roughly? So uh, this go around, we actually, for, for 2019, we received, um, which is a formula grant, we received 272375 Mm-hmm. And so we're, for, we're in the process of FY 2019, the award is 273375 And the purpose of that funding actually is to implement a forensic laboratory information management system. Mm. So a better process, all this important evidentiary uh, uh, information and, and material, basically. Yes. And, and so the way this works here is that, is that because we were a, um, a state administrative agency for the Burns uh, Justice Assistance Grants and the My Connection, uh, in that same process, we're the, same, we're the agency for the, uh, the Covenant Grants. And, base, and, and just, to, um, just to, uh, uh, for the listen, listeners' uh, uh, interest here, so what the process is is that the Bureau of Statistics and Plans applies for the funding uh, under those two programs, Burns and Coverdale. And the funding, we're having received the funding, it is uh, by and large subawarded uh, to, um, uh, to uh, agencies in order for implementation. So say, for example, funding on the formula mentioned by Lola for the Prison Rape Elimination Act is actually subawarded to the Department of Corrections and the Department of Youth Affairs to acquire workstations and training and education materials to prepare for the Prison Rape Elimination Act. Uh, funding received under the Coverdale grant is subawarded to GPD for use in their crime lab uh, to upgrade their systems and, and to, um, uh, and to uh, uh, other agencies, to uh, uh, task force involving customs and, uh, and GPD, et cetera, here. Um, so the, uh, this is a, actually a system uh, uh, enacted by the, uh, by the federal government, but one advantage of this is to the criminal justice agencies is that the Bureau assumes the administrative burden of uh, doing the applications for these grants and managing the grants and doing all the uh, sometimes onerous reporting requirements for them and working with the agencies to do this because um, uh, the criminal justice, criminal justice agencies, particularly the line agencies uh, like GPD and, uh, and Customs, they are, uh, even under the best of circumstances, uh, their administrative um, 
a cadre is uh, is kind of a, a stretch thin. And so the Bureau pitches in on, on helping relieve some of that burden in, in the administration of these grants. Is there anything else you wanted to mention regarding the Burns and Coverdale grants? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, what about the residential treatment uh, a grant? Okay. So, so we do have the, the other program that, that we administer, which is the Residential Substance Abuse Treatment Program. So, so the requirement of this particular grant is um, it basically provides funding to Guam to provide uh, offenders who have six to 12 months left in their time at DOC to enroll or actually you would have to, I guess there's a process to, um, to be part of a cycle for the recognition substance abuse program. But the requirement requirement is, is that you have to have six to twelve months left in your time at uh, Department of Corrections. And and that and therefore you, that means you're eligible for this this treatment center. Yes, I see. So yeah, so basically, um, with with our stats, uh, the funding is they basically fund a cycle, uh, and I believe it's up to twenty five. Uh, clients in the cycle mm -hmm. and so and these clients have to be in a designated area away from the general population you have to have a dedicated housing unit for, for this program to be conducted and, and this is done at DOC yes I see uh, and the, fo and the focus is on substance abuse problems and basically providing cognitive behavioral social, vocational, and other skills to help them to recovery so that when they're released, then they also, they're hopefully they would uh, require, you know, participate in the aftercare program. And, and so basically this is part of an overall approach to reduce um, recidivism uh, yes. in the prisons by yes. taking a holistic approach and not just uh, Detention or, uh, or or deterrence policy, but to take a look at some of the other root causes of crime, which is, unfortunately, in many cases, is substance abuse, and uh, how to deal with uh, with uh, with those issues. How, how much is the uh, is this grant normally? So, for the past two years, we've actually received uh, around ninety a hundred and ten thousand. Mm -hmm. But 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 of that amount that we received. Uh, 90% of that goes to the Department of Corrections. Right, and so to support their efforts for this residential treatment uh, yeah. uh, plan. Uh, I don't know if we covered this, but how much was the, um, how much was the, um, uh, is the Burns grant funding normally? So, so roughly with the Burns Jack, since 2017, 18, and 19, we've actually received roughly 600000 uh, 600000 And this then 90% uh, of that, because it's a formula grant, 90% of the funding is actually passed through to projects. And BSP retains 10% for administrative costs. Okay. Or administrating of the grant. So, so, you know, Lola, you've been talking for like 26 minutes nonstop here. So I'm going to give you a break and going to cut away to Dr. Austin Shelton. Uh, uh, Austin, are you on the line? Oh, let's see if they have been catching there. Austin hey, Shelton. Hi. Hi, Austin. How's it going? 
Um, I need to cut off Lola. We do a lot of great work together with Lola, too. Absolutely. But she's been talking for, according to the clock, 26 minutes nonstop. And I I think it's time. And I haven't programmed any commercial breaks in this hour. So I thought this is... uh, this is a great time to give her a break before we move on to other subjects about criminal justice grants and check in with you and give us an update here as you approach your final week of your very successful uh, online sustainability conference. Uh, thanks very much for that opportunity, Tyrone. We have um, the final uh, and the seventh week, the concluding week of the University of Guam virtual conference series on island sustainability uh, coming up this Friday at 9 a.m. It'll be about an hour and a half, 9 a.m. to 10.30 and the topic for this concluding session is Achieving a Sustainable Global Future Through Quality Education and Capacity Building. Um, so we're going to have a really um, esteemed uh, two panels. The first one is going to be made up of five university presidents uh, from around the world. We'll have, of course, our own uh, president, uh, Dr. Thomas Christ. We'll have the University of Hawaii president, David Lassner, David Hall from the University of the Virgin Islands. Harleen Hain, who is from the University of Otago in New Zealand, and then um, really dynamic uh, number one most innovative president, uh, university president in the whole country. His name is Michael Crow from Arizona State University. Oh, really? And they, yeah, I, I've heard of Michael Crow. Yes, he's done some groundbreaking work. So I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, the Global Institute um, of Sustainability, and uh, you just they just came up with this whole new concept called the Global Futures Laboratory. So. With our, our conference theme of Island Wisdom for a Global Future, we have all of the, the great island wisdom and then one of the biggest thinkers in the global future, uh, Michael Crow, to help us uh, tie those things uh, together. So we're really excited to, to hear from that panel. And how does that people access uh, the, uh, to get uh, to, to the uh, online uh, sustainability conference? How do they access it? The, the, the best way to do it is to go to the University of Guam homepage, uog.edu, mm-hmm. and then on the banner there, um, you, you'll see the scrolling banner. Click on the 2020 conference logo, um, and you'll get to register for a Zoom link. And um, it's really easy to do once you have that link. 9 a.m. on Friday, you click on it, and you come into the room, and you can see uh, sometimes the 200 or 300 other people that are, are from 65 different countries around the world. Uh, turn on your camera, uh, see who's in the room, and then listen to these wonderful panels. You feel like you're in, uh, in an actual conference, well, as close to it as possible. Well, sounds great, Austin. I hope to have you back uh, next week so you can review the whole panoply of uh, what did the sustainability conference uh, uh, introduce to people and um, and what was achieved and uh, and what the what what it means for the future here and I I just want to give you a chance to to chime in and help preview for this for this last uh, uh, important uh, 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 session of the sustainability conference and uh, and uh, I'm no, I, I know I'm looking forward to it and I'm going to try and tune in. So, Austin, thank you so much for, for checking in. That's Dr. Austin Shelton from the Center of Science Sustainability at the University of Guam. Okay, have a nice night. So, Lola, you still with us? Yes, I'm okay. here. Okay, and we're going to be joined by an, another part of the BSB t- team, Sonia Siliong, who's a planner. Uh, and it was involved in um, yet the, another criminal justice grant, a well, one-shot deal that we did this year, which is part of the CARES Act. And uh, based on the system that uh, Lola has spent um, a good half, almost a good half hour explaining of state agencies administering criminal justice grants, it was that same system that was used to funnel CARES Act funding, you know, to help with the COVID-19 uh, response and to help support law, enfor- law and criminal justice agencies. And based on a formula basis, 
um, the Bureau um, successfully uh, prepared a grant, uh, submitted it, and got it approved within a week and a half of its announcement. Isn't that the case, Lola? Yes. So uh, with that coronavirus emergency supplemental funding program, what one of the main requirements for eligibility was basically uh, the state that applies for the 2019 state and local Edward Byrne Memorial Justice Assistance Grant Program uh, is the only entity that can apply for the CSF funding. So, so yeah, uh, so they basically yeah, use the Byrne so Grant system. Did, yeah. I guess what I wanted to point out was this: if we didn't submit a 2019 Burn Jack, uh, we will not be eligible. We wouldn't have been successful in submitting our application. In other words, if you weren't in already in the system for receiving federal justice grants and sort of missed the grant deadline, we would have missed the opportunity to access this COVID-19 funding, is your, is your point yeah. here? Yeah. Yeah. In which case, so this is sort of speaks to the um, sort of institutional um, sort of advantages of having a an organized effort to make sure we maximize these available federal funding for the territory as much as possible here. Uh, Joining us as I, as I previewed was uh, Sonia Seleyang. How, how are you doing, Sonia? Hi, good evening. Good evening. Now, the um, Lola, I w- want just if you could like work through the process, and before we cut to Sonia, who, who actually, once we got the grant, uh, worked with the fine people of the Office of Civil Defense using emergency procurement to actually m- utilize that grant to uh, provide resources and support uh, for our uh, law enforcement officers and, front and uh, first responders. And so maybe before we cut to Sonia to describe uh, what that was like, um, go through the, very quickly the process about how we would submit the grant. How, how did that one work? Just very yeah, briefly. So, 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 you know, what, what are the requirements? Because we, we actually thought initially this was just specific to law enforcement. Then when we had a call with the DGA director, they actually said, this is not, it's really... The Department uh, of Justice, in other words, DOJ, yes. Yeah, it was really, yeah, Bureau of Justice. It was really the funding to to prevent, prepare for, and respond to the coronavirus. And what is the nexus or importance in the development of Guam's uh, coronavirus application was that we needed to make sure that there was close collaboration with the Office of Civil Defense because they wanted to ensure that we were not duplicating efforts because when, when a state of emergency is declared, uh, government of Guam also has the opportunity when they use local resources to also submit for reimbursement under FEMA under the Robert Stafford funding to get 75% reimbursed by, by, that, by FEMA. Mm-hmm. So there was close collaboration with uh, Office of Civil Defense and what we also did was we also did an assessment to determine the number of law enforcement agencies, uh, I mean, sorry, law enforcement officers across, you know, um, the local entities. So, yeah, and that, uh, that was did, important because one of the needs early on identified was the need to get personal protective equipment uh, for law enforcement uh, officers here. Um, other first responders are covered by other grants, for example. Uh, under um, under the uh, FEMA grants, which are accessed by Homeland Security, there's a actually specific program called Assistance for Firefighters, and so in order to maximize both grants, again speaking to the coordination with the people at Civil Defense, um, the Bureau concentrated on, on utilizing uh, the uh, the CARES Act funding under the uh, Department of Justice grants, and to get prepare, um, PPE for every single 
a local law enforcement officer, and uh, we're so is it, we're that that's that fed into the process of developing the grant. Um, what else? Um, and so, having gotten uh, assembled all these components here, uh, what was the next step? We, the grant was submitted largely electronically. Yes. So, so what we did was we, um, along with one of our senior planners, Ms. Millie Argiza, mm-hmm. uh, basically had, uh, we also reached out to some of the law enforcement entities because they did also want us to address also corrections to make sure that um, they were actually also vital in ensuring that they were uh, their resource needs were addressed in this application. Yeah. So, as so as well as the Guam Fire Department, was, yes. Yeah, the write-up was developed. Uh, we actually uh, provided a detailed budget, um, and then from there we submitted the application electronically. So uh, we worked really long hours to, to make this happen. Yes, they, they did, by the way. And this is a, it was kind of difficult because this is very early on in the COVID-19 um, crisis. And so the Bureau actually agency was, was shut down. Uh, the offices were closed, and uh, Lola and Millie uh, actually uh, helped churn this one out uh, by working on the telephone and online, and largely from home. Um, you know, to uh, to actually get this one done, and because of that, there's now there's we have this funding that's available to help our law enforcement officers and first responders. Um, I, I want to uh, cut this over, cut over to Sonia here. So, Sonia. You were assigned by the Bureau to work with uh, the people of Office of Civil Defense who are handling emergency procurement to actually do the procurement for some of these vital supplies and support for the uh, law enforcement officers and first responders. Isn't that not correct? Yeah. Oh. So once the award was uh, issued, um, I was tasked with coordinating with the, the procurement of the necessary equipment. So I was working mainly with the Guam Office of Civil Defense and the Guam General Services Agency. Yeah. So the way, and just for the uh, uh, interest of the listening audience here, the way this works here is that emergency procurement was centered on civil defense as an administrative matter, but uh, a lot of the actual laywork, you know, getting quotes and filling out forms and other stuff, were are handled by the the um, the uh, agencies that are seeking uh, to use that uh, emergency procurement in order to uh, get these resources quickly as possible. So a lot of that burden fell on Sonia, who put in yeah. many long hours to, to get it, and is actually still working on it uh, right now. Um, uh, well, uh, Sonia, so let me, let me just go down the list and for the listening audience, and we'll go down uh, what is being, uh, being procured, what is already on island, has been distributed, and what is en route. I mean, one of the, the lead things that we're, is being uh, acqu- acquired by this, um, utilizing this funding for, is to get four new ambulances for the Guam Fire Department. Isn't that not correct? Yeah, so we procured four ambulances, and we should expect them by end of June. Okay, so this Maybe month. End of June. So this month we, sh- we should see it there. Some of the other stuff that has already come on island are our array of uh, sanitation supplies, um, and some of that has already been distributed. What kind of supplies are, are, are have come on island for uh, some of the agencies? So some of the... Um, Supplies that are needed uh, from the agencies are um, isolation gowns, germicidal wipes, and face, face shields for DLC and GPD, as well as um, thermometers so that they can um, use that, you know, uh, use them at DLC and DYA. Yeah, and at this point, those the low supplies have been distributed for DOC and DYA, and there is more coming in the pipeline for the other agencies. 
Yes, definitely. Okay. Uh, this would include not only GPD, but also the public defender and the judicial branch. Is that, is that correct? Which in this case here is the court marshals and, um, uh, and the, uh, the other peace officers of the judicial branch. Yes, the probation officers. Okay, probation officers. When what uh, I pre- appreciate a lot of that is, is sort of a moving target here. But so, when are the remainder of those supplies expected on island? So the remainder of the supplies should be um, right now. It's with uh, GSA for mm-hmm. a PO, and it should be um, some of the items are already on Guam. It's just pending a PO and then delivery. Yeah, so we just so have to clear that burden of getting the purchase order out of GSA, and then we can get yeah. get those supplies and get them to their hands here. Uh, also, a, a large, a large, almost half the uh, of the grant went for personal protective equipment uh, for every single law enforcement officer on the island. That includes not only uh, GPD but also customs, um, juvenile justice officers, the DOIA, correctional uh, DOC correctional guards, uh, parole officers, and court marshals, the judicial branch. Investigators, yes, uh, investigators, the attorney general's office, as well as the the uh, both the uh, airport and port police, uh, and including also park rangers, conservation officers, basically anyone who's a peace officer, uh, a local peace officer. We've uh, we're utilizing this grant to get personal protective equipment for uh, uh, for each each one of them. Now that one is uh, is uh, right now uh, the access to it is uh, I believe under fed- uh, there, there's a federal control on it in terms of how we're access to it is that correct Sonia? Yeah so the federal government has uh, placed some sort of control uh, mechanism into ensuring that the PPEs are distributed uh, nationally or globally um, equally mm-hmm. and so like our local vendors have um, they're allotted a certain number of masks and other PPEs, and so um, they have some set aside for government and some for business, private businesses, um, and then they can order partially the rest, and mainly the, the federal government controls that. So we're, we're, we're waiting for a purchase order from GSA for that one as well? Yes. Yes, and so once we get that, we can get the first tranche of these supplies, and then that will set us up to when the further availability of the supplies on, under federal controls comes available as the months proceed. And uh, so this is the sum that Sonia is still working on and, uh, and, and, and push, uh, moving hell and high water to move the system along to so we can get all, all these supplies. I should, I should also mention, um, uh, given Lola's description of how the Burns and Coverdale grants work, uh, as I said, they largely are grants which the Bureau receives and then subawards them to, uh, to the criminal justice agencies. Uh, in this case, uh, for, the, uh, uh, for this particular CARES funding here, uh, we chose not to do that, in part for two reasons. Uh, number one is, is that when you subaward it uh, under the Governor Guam system, you have to uh, sign this memorandum of understanding, a formal legal document with the agency, for which is circulated by not only the, the, uh, the Bureau's uh, signature, but the receiving agency signature, but also um, for, um, uh, through BBMR and DOA and the Governor and the Attorney General's office. And under normal circumstances, that can be kind of a lengthy process. And as we examine the situation in the beginning of the COVID-19 uh, uh, emergency, and with a number of government agencies uh, deemed non-essential and then largely closed or cut back substantially, it looked like there would be a rather substantial delay before we get an MU circulated. So instead of going through that process, we consulted with the agencies for which we had already, the, uh, the items had already uh, consulted previously when we uh, submitted for the grant. And we sort of worked with them on specs and other things. and 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 did the procurement for them, um, and hence Sonia putting all the long hours. 
this is not only to only this, um, the, again, this is not only to um, uh, save time with the MOU, but also, I, I think I, I mentioned earlier, uh, even on the best of circumstances, the uh, the administrative staff for a number of these line agencies are kind of stretched thin, uh, particularly in in a uh, and and especially so in given this COVID nineteen uh, emergency, and so at least for this this period of the emergency, the uh, uh, the bureau uh, uh, staff has been pitching in to help relieve them of some of this burden. Um, in particular, uh, I've uh, given an example is is that uh, one of the things funded under this grant was a nurse for the Department of Youth Affairs to help with uh, intake uh, for their for their clients. Uh, the Bureau actually um, uh, worked with the Department of Youth Affairs and Lonnie Brennan, and the Department of Youth Affairs identified and uh, and selected the person to be the nurse, But the, and we did the paperwork in the Bureau's end, so essentially the Bureau had hired this nurse and then sent them uh, up to DYA to work with them uh, on this process. Again, this is not how it's not again as normally done. We'd be just suborder DOA and do the hiring here. But again, um, we we tried to do uh, move as quickly as possible once we had this funding to get the resources as quickly as we could into the hands of these uh, agencies that needed in order to deal with COVID nineteen. Um, what else is in uh, coming in the pipeline coming down? I mean, there is some specialized equipment for GPD, including portable wash basins and uh, tents when they do uh, a checkpoint duty and other things. Is, is not tr not true. That, that is true, and we also um, are expecting um, four GPD response vehicles. Mm, yes. And how many? How many GPD four. response vehicles? Yes. How many? And four. Four. Four GPD response vehicles. Yes, and two fire department command response vehicles. Command response vehicles as well. Uh, so those uh, those are still in the process. The ambulances were are expected. Uh, four ambulances are expected this month. So we're. We're looking forward to that. As the supplies come in, we're going to be quickly distributed to the uh, agencies as much as possible. There are periods where the bureau's offices look like a warehouse uh, <laughs> because, crazy. yeah, because they. Um, uh, some of you may have seen the uh, um, PDA coverage to see them sort of stacked to the roof, and uh, um, and uh, uh, under the current um, operational requirements for opening the bureau's offices, we're operating under a staggered work schedule in order to maintain um, social distance requirements and occupancy, in which case uh, people work partly at home but partly in the office. And and that's proved to be fortuitous and because that gives us extra space to stack up all these supplies uh, yeah, that are that are constantly coming in thanks to um, uh, the funding provided by this grant and uh, and Sonia's uh, hard work. And so um, um, this, is, this is something that's sort of ongoing, but uh, we've at least gotten supplies in the hands of... Um, of uh, DOI and DOC, the uh, PPE equipment hopefully will come in soon. The four ambulances are expected to arrive this month, and um, and uh, other things here which, which we're, we're moving on expeditiously. Um, Lola, in this process as we move along into it, what what are exactly are the reporting requirements that the bureau has to do in order to uh, fulfill the requirements of this grant? So, so with this particular grant, uh, there's just the financial reporting and the progress reporting. And in this case is every six months, we would submit a semi-annual progress report and a quarter financial report to OJP on the grant management system, Office of Justice Program grant management system. The, what, what is that? Is this an online system uh, by, uh, uh, by yes. the federal government? In other words, it's, it's electronic reporting uh, on the progress of the grant and, and, this, and, and the actual distribution of it, you know, for... Uh, 
not only reporting requirements but audit purposes as well. Um, uh, hopefully, we'll get all this stuff wrapped up in the next six months, and so it's not going to uh, and, and actually close the grant. That's certainly our goal. Where um, it was uh, that a lot of it was facilitated by working through the Emerging Procurement Authority, but uh, there are some aspects that are still going through GSA, and and those folks are working hard on other things as well. But uh, it's our goal to to push the system as much as possible, and work to get this, these resources to hands of of the um, of uh, our law enforcement officers and uh, our first responders. Um, I, I think uh, I want to thank uh, Lola and you and Sonia and, of course, Millie, uh, for all the hard work you've done under, you know, the, the circumstances were, 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 very, um, were very little trying here, and uh, uh, particularly when the lockdown was full in effect. It's still kind of uh, trying right now because where the Bureau's offices are, though, Though they're open, um, though not op- not quite open to the public, um, because of the COVID nineteen restrictions, there are sort of limited amounts of um, people that can be in the room at any one time. Um, but uh, we still, uh, the bureau staff has done an excellent job of moving this stuff along. Because in addition to the criminal justice grants and the, and the CARES grant funding here, uh, there's a whole array of other grants which the uh, bureau still has to maintain the reporting requirements or even to apply for. Um, uh, some of them, for example, for the Guam Coastal Zone Management Cycle, for the, uh, the new grant that uh, we've gone through the application process for. Uh, what else is out there, um, uh, Lola? There are the coral reef grants, right? Yeah, so we, we actually also handle the uh, DOI Coral Reef and Natural Resource Grant. Department of the, in- that stands for Department of Interior, DOI. Yes, yeah, go ahead. And the NOAA Coral Reef Conservation Grant Which Which stands for the National Oceanographic and Atmospheric Administration. Yeah, and uh, uh, as uh, what else? What else are other grants out there? Also, there's there's a number of um, technical assistance program grants out of the Office of Insular Affairs and the Department of Interior that uh, we're managing. One of which is um, they re- recently issued the um, uh, the RFP for the uh, IT assessment. Did they not, Lola? Correct. Yes. And uh, that one is to do. Um, may I describe, describe the listeners what the, the 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 goal of that grant is, or the goal of that RFP is funded by a federal grant. Yeah, so, so the, goal, the goal of the, the information technology needs assessment is to actually assess the government of Guam's financial management system. Uh, and then based, based on the assessment to develop a strategic plan to, I guess, address integration. Integration and to upgrade uh, GovGuam's um, admittedly yeah, antiquated uh, uh, computer systems, which the core is the financial management system, but it, that's not, it, it also extends to other ones as well. And of course, um, there's been some news coverage. Uh, the Bureau was also successful in receiving a technical assistance program grant from the Office of Incident Affairs uh, to um, uh, upgrade our, our reporting uh, system methodology uh, for compact impact and to come up with a reporting model methodology that uh, complies with standards set by the General Accounting Office of the federal government, and so we can make a stronger case uh, to get compact impact. And uh, that one has been uh, subawarded to the University of Guam, who are busy working on it, even though the COVID-19 restrictions sort of disrupted that work, because it disrupted a lot of other uh, processes as well. And so um, as these, uh, the point I was trying to make is even given um, the operational um, uh, challenges uh, operating right now, but particularly early on, even though uh, mo- uh, pretty much all the bureau staff were sent home uh, through remote homeworking, thanks to Lola and Sonia and Millie and a number of other dedicated planners, uh, the reporting requirements, the application requirements, 
um, the uh, sort of uh, other processes we're maintaining to make sure uh, that we uh, uh, access these grants and we maximized uh, uh, the available federal funding. And for that, I want to thank all the staff at the Bureau of Statistics and Plans. Uh, Lolan and uh, Sonia, thanks for joining uh, us tonight and taking uh, time out from your busy schedules. Uh, thank you all for your hard work. And uh, with that, uh, that will conclude uh, tonight's episode of the Data Hub with Tyrone Titano. Uh, please join me next Tuesday, again, for at 6.30 p.m. here on Newstalk K57 and on Docomo Channel 2 and GTA Channel 3. See you next week.